Ready? Yep. Hitting it. Welcome to the Flick Lab. This is Kari Ojala, your host of the night. And my co-host is Henrik Telkki. Say hi. I'm just visiting. And Sen. Hi. Actually visiting. <laughs> Welcome, Sen. We met during the summer when you were studying in Finland. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Chinese, but I've been living in Spain since I was 10 years old, so almost like over 20 years here in West. I consider myself more Western than Chinese, but yeah, I will contribute as much as possible in the point of views in Chinese spectator. And you feel that you are quite comfortable with the, the Chinese language? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Native Chinese. I think that's not the case for me and Henrik. No, I have some some loose studies from the absolute beginner steps in Chinese or Mandarin. But nothing yeah. more than that. So I wouldn't say that I'm I'm a speaker or listener or writer or anything. Okay, that's already much better than my case because I have no experience with the Chinese language at all. And the, sorry to say, this is actually the first episode that we're doing about a Chinese film in this podcast. Kind of a long time coming. This is the 119th episode. About time. So we are a podcast that breaks down international cinema every second week now since our change of the format. In the past we did like one episode for each movie, but now we're more concentrating on themes and maybe like bigger overall views on cinema. So I'm a media student graduate on the vocational level and Henrik studies in the University of Lapland to be Master of Arts someday I hear. Someday. Ho- hopefully sooner than later, but I make no promises. <laughs> okay, so what are we going to talk about today, Henrik? I I guess, and, and I, I believe, first of all, that congratulations are in order, because if, if Facebook tells it to me correctly, it's your birthday, Carly. Thank you. What a perfect day to choose to talk about the film about depression and suicide. Precisely. This is exactly keeping in with the tune and the theme of, of birthdays, <laughs> especially coming from a Finnish film podcast. Because by jolly, if, if suicide isn't the favorite pastime in Finland next to alcoholism. Yeah, I hope everybody is still sane after watching this film. We'll get to this. I'm I'm already getting good vibes on your end with, with that <laughs> remark. Uh, I think we Finns at least we are quite thick-skinned in this aspect, or not, since we kind of like doing suicide too much. We have on our plate, I believe, two short films and one feature film today. Manny, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the the debut and unfortunately last feature. Yeah, fortunately we have Sen to help us out here because there might be quite a lot of cultural things that we would like to get some help on. The film's 
for us are Night Runner, 2014 short, Man in the Well, 2017, and uh, finally, An Elephant Sitting Still, who was almost four-hour package about basically human suffering. We can attribute a lot of terms to this film, I'm sure. Yeah, if we want to talk about Hubo first. Eric. I actually don't have the faintest idea. Uh, Hubo is something that's most definitely your find. Yeah, I'm really grateful for this. This is once again one of those really random searches on Amazon. And I think there was some kind of a featured recommendation. Like, would you like to check out an elephant sitting still? Okay, let's see. Here we go. I can give up my version of what Hubo is about, but maybe the most educated answer here would come from from our guest. But my understanding is that Hubo is a, was a man who had a big heart, the tender heart, a person who actually in his art often talked about the selfishness of others and human greed and all the misery that we as humans are able to create around us. Born in 88 in Jinan City, Shandong province. And uh, he had a bit of a troubles kickstarting his life education-wise. He failed to be admitted because his college entrance exams scores did not reach the level required. In 2008, he failed college entrance exams again. And then entered a college in Shandong with poor conditions. No internet at dormitory, some people were just playing cards. And in Hubo's case, he went to a school-operated internet cafe every night at 9 o'clock. And there he was able to watch films. After only less than a year, he dropped out of the school and got admitted to, however you pronounce that, uh, Zhejiang Media College. But the parents were not too supportive about that. So Hubo wanted to go only to the Beijing Film Academy. In 2010, after two years of tries... He finally got accepted to the Beijing Film Academy to study as a director. And there he filmed some short films, one apparently involving a donkey and a house in a village near a school. There were some really warm and humanitarian things that he did. In order to save a dying hedgehog, for example, he kept a hedgehog in a dormitory throughout the winter and his roommates were complaining due to the smell of the wild hedgehogs. And in his senior year, he applied for film funding and both of the two applications passed. He submitted a total of six scripts and of which four were art films that he of course preferred. But the other two scripts related to horror and suspense were accepted instead. And it's a bit unclear if some project was was then cancelled, but regardless, Hubo refused the investor's advice to add a sex scene to one of those suspense projects. What we do know, of course, is, is we have the uh, Night Runner, which could be one of those horror suspense projects. All of his films talk about spiritual dissatisfaction, existential emptiness, even if lives were getting better on paper. And he was a busy guy indeed. Hugo he began to publish his short stories on platforms and... In 2014 came out Distant Father. Distant Father, I understand, is only co-written by him. Uh, we were able to only find 
like small bits and pieces of distant father and this this night runner came in the same year and 2015 he won the best director award at golden call film festival in 2015 he created novel bullfrog uh, in 2016 he won a prize his fiction award in taiwan with the short story big split and in 2016 went to a film festival to propose his film idea and finally got a contract signed for elephant sitting still and in july 2017 when the shooting of elephant was already done i believe he went to xining to participate in master training camp of hungarian director during this period without any funds or team hubo made a short film in one day the short film man in the well and in october 2017 he of course hanged himself and posthumously 2018 came out an elephant sitting still anything to add from sense part yeah regarding to the director hubo yes he had a big dreams indeed yeah he failed to many times to get into the film academy but mm -hmm. once he mentioned in the in the city who the, where they live there are like more than 1.6 million of young people and he think he belongs to the failure group like the five percent of the worst group they are so you can imagine how depressed he was in that moment when he yeah. feel failed to get into the film academy and i'm aware that hubo has written at least three books and one of them is called huge crack and this book is kind of the basis for elephant sitting still am i correct with that assessment yeah you, you are right he just took four protagonists there from that book and maybe for the western society they will think is like is reflecting the chinese society or the worst scenarios there but maybe for me in my point of view this, those stories are like very very sad and you cannot see even at every day i'm not talking if it's fiction but yeah maybe it's not very unusual in the real life do you want to talk about like general differences between the book and the film mm, you mean talia and the elephant one right well i know only the english title so huge huge yeah. crack and the, okay. the okay, elephant yeah. is there some big differences there yeah the one of the main difference i see between the movie and the book is in the book he just reflect all the avis or the human ugliness and it doesn't show any hope but in elephants sitting still maybe it will give you the feeling at the end the four protagonist is finding himself and finding another hope of life yeah i believe there's still hope in the film which may not be so obvious for most of the running time though but i guess we should go more in detail to his short films so looks like if we go year by year it would start with night runner any thoughts henrik well what to really say about night runner uh, it's it's the most kind of adventurous the most well dare i say action-packed 
of of Hubo's films. It, it has perhaps the most narrative structure in it, despite its short running time. But at the at the same time, you can kind of see the similar themes, like the the failure of of the world surrounding yourself, and also the the general feeling that everything is meaningless and there really is no point in in anything. Night Runner like Elephant, it ends with uh, perhaps a happy ending. C- kind of hard to say. They both end with the with the same theme, which is the, the main character kind of running towards something. In in the Elephant, the the main characters or most of them are in the end going towards the, the titular elephant and the night runner kind of ends with an, with the titular night runner running towards the audience so there there is some kind of a destination but the destination still is is hazy and vague you don't really know what they are supposed to find and what they in the end manage to find when they reach whatever is the point they are going towards to yeah, this film could be easily seen as a project that a financier would like to, like a commercial financier would like to greenlight because it's not an art film. <laughs> it, it would be the easier choice out of his scripts. But then what murkies the waters here a bit is that on the interwebs it says that this is a purely um, a graduation project. Which I, I do find somewhat funny as an assessment. Because going simply by, well, how, how the film looks like, I, I would say from his two short films, The Man in the Well looks like more of a, you know, college graduation project or or, mm. or student film. Yeah, that's true. But like you said, all of these films have to a degree similar themes, loss of something, cheating, infidelity, but also something related to food. Uh, well, well, let's give like a short round of what this film is all about. So, so that there's a guy who has back pain and comes in contact through random occurrences with this guy who is about to rob the, the grocery store and becomes kind of his target. And in the middle of all this, misery he also notices that his supposed wife is having some extramarital fun in his own apartment but so we have a the symbolism of lobster and so the the guy hacks the bad guy to death with the lobster and i understand that uh, in chinese food symbolism as far as i could find the chicken forms part of the dragon and phoenix symbolism and the chicken's feet are often served with so-called dragon foods such as lobster and during chinese new year people eat chicken as it's a symbol of good marriage and coming together as families and serving chicken in full is an emphasis for family unity lobster is the dragon and chicken is the phoenix but yeah that this is the issue of the film the couple they have a bad marriage now and is it now the lobster in some way to the rescue? <laughs> lobster kills the bad guy and then he runs off to infinity with the lobster or towards the audience. 
Yeah, I guess that depends on your definition of a bad guy. Because in in Night Runner, you can kind of cast the shadow of a doubt over the whole concept of of a bad or a good guy. Mm. The kind of a running theme that that Night Runner has with with the rest of Hubo's films, especially with the elephant, it would be, in my opinion, uh, would a be the the financial strains that the character characters have or they have to go through the in in none of hubo's films the characters are not that well off wealth wise they either they are poor or they are struggling financially and in in both cases there there is kind of a the the theme of ugliness in in night runner there there is it's perhaps the most obvious one the Night Runner presents you two types of ugliness. There, there is the the more in depth, more kind of a core to to humans, the inner ugliness, which manifests to the, through the main character's girlfriend, wife, what is she, and and his friend, who are the two cheating on, on the main character, and then on top of that, you have kind of also inner but also physical ugliness of of the two two other main character the main character and and the store robber the main character's case this is kind of a highlighted ugliness in quotation marks but the film makes a kind of a visual point of his large nose which is something that sets him apart from the the other characters of the film, and in that way, I I would say that the film does present the nose as some kind of a physical defect, and then you have the store the the robber character of of the film who he, on his part is is scarred from the right side of his face, so. He, he carries that type of physical, once again, in quotation marks, ugliness with him. And when it comes to the actual confrontation, the any any kind of a inciting animosity between the characters, there really is, is no hate between the robber and the main character. There is a level of threat. There is a threat of, of the robber killing the main character, but that does not actually stem from any any kind of a I don't like you or any kind of a real emotional motive. It's more of a practical motive. The robber is pretty well off and willing to accept and be okay with the main character up until the kind of a main focal point of of the narrative, which is when when the main character passes a cigarette to the robber and the robber accidentally removes his mask, which he has used during the the robbery, this way showing his face and, and more than that, showing the scar that can be used to identify and pinpoint him to the cops. And from that yeah. point onwards, that the violence that happens in the film, that the survival aspect, the robber chasing the main character and main character having to defend himself, it's not really stemming out of hatred. It's stemming from the fact that the robber has to do something with the main character in order to to, kind of, to guard his anonymity. 
and not really like like close the the, the loose thread with his robbery so that he cannot be pinpointed to the police quite of a ham-fisted moment i have to say when he reveals his face uh, somewhat yeah Somewhat, yeah. See, seeing exactly how kind of careful he has he has been up until that point, that's kind of a major oomph. You could kind of see that this kind of a oomph moments are part and parcel of action, adventure, horror films. They are also part of of Hubo because they're, they're the same same oomph. Is is a running theme also, or not not a running theme, but it, it is an element that sets off some of the major character conflicts in 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 the elephant, where you you also also have 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 the theme of of two characters trying to connect through something, and that connection leading into in, into an action into an event. That starts to that kind of kicks the ball running running down the hill, and and leads into a series of escalating events. In Elephant, you have you have depending on how you count them, you have two or more of these type of events. The the first one is something that is being shown to you directly, which is the the. Kind of a main character of of the film, Wei Bu, who defends his friend from from a school bully, and that very quickly just becomes a oomph moment and escalates out of the head. But it's not and a ham-fisted then, moment. It's something that you can actually buy. Well, yeah, yeah, it, it is, it is. But it's still kind of a like ham-fistedness, not in counting. It is still keeping in also what happens with in in Night Runner. That there's a similar theme. Uh, the two characters try to connect over something, and no. that connection turns out to inadvertently lead into a situation that start kind of a, becomes unmanageable. And leads into further actions from the character's part. Night Runner, which is running only a little over 10 minutes and is not in every way totally characteristic of Hubo, though, because of being such a uh, thriller film. Uh, otherwise, his films, Man in the Well and uh, Elephant, are very much like, a, like art films, slow moving pieces. And it's kind of nice to and surprising to see him do also something else. And as discussed, we also have Man in the Well, 2017 short film, also about desperation, survival, and uh, life's aimlessness. What I got from this film, it felt like some kind of a post-nuclear war landscape hellhole where everybody is searching for food as survivors. Post-apocalyptic, post-pandemia, there are these comments such as they are all dead anyway, so we have to keep going and we have to hurry up in reference maybe to starvation or, or some change in the environment that they inhabit. What I was thinking is that maybe the who, who boy is acting the part of the victim, but as you know, it's hard to get information on these flicks, so it just crossed my mind that it might be who boy. 
the man on on the kind of a I, I don't know trilogy of films that we have today. Uh, that's the most experimental one, in in my yeah. opinion, and also kind of kind of the most artsy. Like as you mentioned, as you mentioned, an elephant standing still is is also on its core or, or the spirit of the film is very very independent, very artistic movie. But I would say that the man in the well is is even more artistic and more kind of kind of a surreal experience. Yeah. An elephant, even even underneath all its its art artsiness, it's it's pretty traditional filmmaking still, and it's quite linear on its plot structure and also quite clear if you just manage to stick with the film. Yeah, I kept perhaps kind of struggling with the overall point of the film, if there is anything else apart from the desperation and aimlessness and futility and uh, committing horrible acts just to survive. Yeah, in my, in my opinion, when, when it comes to, to futility and... Well, aimlessness also. I think the man in the well is the one that makes the biggest case uh, in in form of the argument that that there really is no point and everything everything you do is is meaningless and is for nothing. An elephant also aims to do do the similar point and perhaps makes a clearer effort because elephant establishes this point through through the the audio visual language of the film kind of repeatedly you can you can say that an elephant is nothing but a case study or for how everything is meaningless and an elephant also does this dialogue wise but when it comes to kind of emotionally or or when it comes to kind of having a crystal clear statement that that nothing is worth of anything i i think that man in the well perhaps is is the clearest statement that hubo makes on this remark uh, maybe we have talked about this ad nauseum in the past but um, this could also be just a looking glass in into what kind of human states we can possibly have in this in this world and 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 in that sense, it's just showing you what is, not necessarily making a statement about how, what life is or or isn't, or how, how it can be viewed as. If it's a horrible experience, full stop, or if there's something we can do about it by changing our environment, for example. I think also in Elephant Sitting Still, there's a glimmer of hope near the end. And there is something that drives these characters, of course, and what drives them is the, is the change to at least escape their current environment, and that's what pleases them. Yeah, from my side, I want to say, the man in well, here the life to live is not just belief in this time difference of the elephant sitting still those protagonists want to continue living and change their life but here 
in well the life is has becoming an instinct and they have to practice cannibalisms to still to survive maybe it's justified the darkness in here we were discussing on social media channels and then and uh, you had watched uh, the elephant and then you realized you still have two short films to go through and <laughs> oh you're really trying to get me depressed Kari. <laughs> yeah i'm fine I mean, i'm a very happy guy so <laughs> there's not big issues <laughs> well that's great so i guess we can move on to your main victim as we like to call our, call our film targets elephant sitting still most of the shooting was done early in the morning or late in the night mostly these are filmed during morning or night because of just conditions that they wanted certain fogginess and a despairing look for the film about three hours of filming per day otherwise they had to run different errands related to the film uh, this is filmed in the same province all the time maybe sen knows more about this location yeah this place is Qingxing, located at very north of china it happens it yeah it takes a place in Qingxing only in the same time in the same day yeah they chose this place for the for the gloomy foggy environment but unfortunately a lot of the factory industry it was closed at the time of filming so <laughs> had some beautiful blue days and hubo asked as remarked in the screening of the film why even the weather is against me we have a lot of colorful characters here so yu cheng is played by yu zhang or maybe sen can give the proper pronunciations actually for these actors and characters i mean you, you are doing pretty well yeah <laughs> he looks like very expert he's acting this was one of his first films i believe and uh yu shang who plays sort of the bad guy in so far as there's any bad guys in the film or or if everyone is the bad guy of the film uh yu shang perhaps i'm not surprised but but following elephant he went on to do a whole lot of comedies probably to change gears a bit but he is also known for a comedy dying to survive so yu cheng is the first character that we're introduced to and for all we know he could be a pretty decent guy apart from going all conilingus on the on the neighbor's wife but little by little we get to know how rotten this guy is also capable of physical harm did you guys get that same feeling that he might not actually be as evil as we later find out him to be yeah he's not for me he's not a bad guy he just the lives mm. obligate him to be, act like he's acting yeah 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 that that's a very good point because you can say that all of the characters in the film are in some way are, are shaped by the society pressure yes uh, structural violence so they they are being shaped by their environment uh, it's avoidable impairment of fundamental human needs that's the description of structural violence so you are denied access to fundamental health care food all your basic human needs and also kind of institutional violence goes into into the same 
everybody in those films is a victim of circumstances. Other categories that go under this are racism, uh, sexism. Yu Cheng is a character who deflects his own guilt onto others. He has a character trait of being selfish and egomaniac. And uh, this happens with several characters. Also, he doesn't have respect for elderly, perhaps, or others. Like his shouts down from the window, burn it right there. And his ego goes above everyone else. Everything is everyone else's fault. Also, he has no love for his brother in any way. Even after he hears the news of his death seems to have no effect on him. And uh, as an inciting incident for this character, of course, he's what I believe to be his friend. Jumps from the balcony and then he refuses to take responsibility in any way for it. Insofar as he should. Do you think, Henrik, he should take responsibility for the guy jumping to his death? Uh, to an extent, yeah. It's it's kind of like it, it's hard to say in in the film's terms exactly how much of of the jumping was Yu Cheng's fault. Uh, as you mentioned, the film begins with with the jumping. So, and because of that, we don't really know what are all the incidents leading into that jump. Suicide not being kind of a spur in the moment done done thing it's it's not like oh my, i i have a like a mountain of dishes and i really don't feel like washing dishes today so i guess i'm gonna kill myself there is always more there is kind of a long running feeling of of emptiness or worthlessness or hopelessness that feeds into the act of of suicide itself and because of it, it's it's hard to say if how much Yu Cheng has fueled into into his friend's suicide. But when it comes to the whole act of cheating, it it may be some play part in the suicide, or it may not. It's it's hard to say. Yu Cheng seems to take the, the side that it did it did affect into the the friend's decision to jump. But we as audience, we are not entirely certain. We are never given the full picture why the jump happens. But since Eugene kind of feels responsible or acknowledges that, that the cheating may have viewed into it, I, I do think that Eugene, by, by doing this, Eugene does understand and admit that what he has done, the cheating, is is wrong and on that department yeah i i do think that yu cheng is uh, should feel a sense of guilt on what mm. happens as he should feel a sense of guilt on what happens to his brother in fact i feel that yu cheng and weibu are very much the same character just from different circumstances growing up where they both feel they, they both are quite selfish. They do things that are not very lovable towards some characters. Lack of empathy towards other characters. I agree with Henry, but not at all with you. Lack of empathy. I mean, he, he just give forgive to Weibo at the end of film and he gives him the chance to go far away. A new star. This could be a symbol of empathy. 
there are some bits and glimpses here and there. Weibu is being really hard on some elderly who are playing shuttlecock uh, in the park. But then again, he's being very nice to this grandfather, one of the four main characters. He, he helps him in the way of giving him the uh, cue so he can exchange it for money later. And he tells about the whole elephant in Manchuli. Yeah, I do kind of have to start with Sen here. Uh, I I don't feel that the characters really are that the same character coming from, from different backgrounds or any kind of a two sides of one coin. I read them more as one, as the same side of, mm, of yeah. the coin. They both come from... from from the similar type of background, the, the, the kind of the system that that, that fuels into or has built the both of the characters is is the economical de depression, or or the lack of of money, the lack of resources. They are both coming from a relative po poverty, and they both actually share the the same the, the, the same grounding blocks of becoming as Yu Cheng puts it. A good for nothing people. Yu Cheng, uh, where the film starts, Yu Cheng already feels that he is a good for nothing. He states this out directly to Wei Bu. And Wei Bu, yeah. judging by his surroundings, is, is on a fast track to become good for nothing since the surrounding institution gives him nothing to actually become something. That the school system that he's entrapped with is admits outright that it's the worst college that they have and they are going to actually close the doors on that school and nobody on the, on the school administration is in no way interested on what happens to the kids the vice dean is only think, thinking about how he will get a bigger office and cleaner desk once the school closes and you know fuck the kids fuck the students and coming from that kind of a surrounding, you really don't have a choice except to become a good for nothing. So the background for the characters is similar. And I think that the trajectory that the characters are on is, is also quite similar. And, and the end result is, is kind of also similar. Well, Wei Bu starts as a caring character in the sense that he is defending his friend who he believes has done nothing wrong. But in his actions and in his statements, Weibo is kind of the dickhead. And mm -hmm. same like Yu Cheng, Weibo at the end of the film also starts to acknowledge that what he has done is, is wrong. He starts to take responsibility. Weibo surrenders himself to the to the mercy of Yu Cheng and Yu Cheng, they takes that they, takes that act of surrendering and decides to show mercy on Wei Bu. Later, Wei Bu shows that same kindness to the old man and his grandkid. Yeah, I don't really disagree with anything that you you have you guys have said, but I yeah, I, 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 I'm I, completely I, with Henry. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I think the same. I got all the same feedback with you. Yeah, but I, I strongly would say that they all, all the characters of the film, make some kind of a bad deeds, and there is no like 
clear lining of what what kind of character this one is or what kind of character that one is because it's i think kind of channeling the humanity of of it all that they are capable of everything the good and the bad and what i wanted to say that maybe most connects yu cheng and weibu is their inner shame the the shame that they try to hide by acting in the way that they do and they want to find some kind of a solution for that by the end yu cheng solves it internally for himself by making the phone call to this aunt and has told the told the truth about the situation of the suicide whereas weibu i don't know but both of the characters at the end, especially Yu Cheng, he realizes kind of the futility of everything that he's he's doing. I don't know if he's particularly forgiving Wei Bu in anything, but he realizes that he doesn't need to do this. Yeah, I, I took that realization that, that he himself doesn't need to do anything as as a as an act of forgiveness. Like uh, what Wei Bu has done even though accidentally is a kill a person and for that uh, there are legal ramifications and and those ramifications should should come from from the side of the system like cops arresting you and you going through a legal court process and then you know get a sentence or be sentenced by the system it it should not come from what Weibu tries to do at the, for the most for the major running time of the film, which is take the law on his own hands, uh, kind of a inflict street justice, um, and like code out revenge. And I, I at at the end of the film, Weibu lets go of of his need to inflict street justice and have revenge on Weibu. And I, I took that as an act of forgiveness at that point of, point of the film. Because, once again, when it comes to being judged by the system, that's something that Weibu necessarily shouldn't even be able to avoid. Killing a, a other person, even though accidentally, it still should be... It, it, it still it still should carry some weight. It, it should carry some response, and mm. that response should come from the system side. Yeah, I agree. And it will come biting biting him because, as we see, IDs are needed to get a bus ticket or transportation ticket, so the authorities must be already following him. Something that is not so much under the surface is the the way of many of the characters to bring it straight to your face with quotes like you're right life is annoying so they put in the words what we kind of already get from the scenes which maybe sometimes was a little bit too off-putting that yeah you know some really depressing dialogue from these characters at times i don't know about the dialogue in in my opinion what Perhaps was I don't, I don't know off putting, but the most ta- taxing aspect of the film is is the cinematography and the cinematic language of the film, like the way how it's being directed. Off putting that that part, the best part of the film, maybe. Mm, 
yes, yes, and and no. Are, are you now correcting me on off, off, off-putting or are you making the case that the cinematography and direction are the best parts of the film? It is one of the best parts of the film. Because I, I would kind of counter-argue with you on, on that point. I, I felt that when it comes to the the how the film looks like and how, how it feels, cinema-wise, is actually the, the hardest pills to swallow with the film. This is a film that goes nowhere fast. It's it's four hours of, of footage to tell a story that that has kind of material for hour and a half movie when you look at, you know, just the narrative storylines. This, this the, is ka- kind of a, 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 Aki Kaurismäki doing Aki Kaurismäki levels of slow. On the contrary, this is uh, indeed almost a four-hour film, but which doesn't feel like a four-hour film, more like... Closer to two like, hours, like seven hours in length. Film. No, like half half of the running time. It, that's what it feels Get like. Get the fuck out of here! It it most definitely does not. This is this is this is a film that that is is prime example. This is an evidence a on on the argument that you should shoot on digital because digital is cheap. Well, the, this director is coming from the time of digital shooting. And since he doesn't have the limitations of the celluloid, he can go just shoot it on digital, which is an advantage for his creative storytelling. And this film, I can tell you, it it cannot be much shorter than this to tell its story because you need to you, you need to get into the environment to just feel and understand these characters. You fully. need to. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, you need to understand the characters and you need to be very close to them and you know understand their their headspace and and it never felt that it was dragging at any point. It was moving like a freight train. And you need to get the fuck out of here. Like like seriously, man, it, it's your birthday birthday and all, but you know, in celebration of your birthday, I have to ask, did you forget to take your crazy pills? Like, you know, the, the pills you are supposed to take in order not to act crazy. Because you are most definitely acting crazy at the moment. No, I'm acting as sensible as possible. No, oh and, God, and, God, God help us in that case. And I know when it comes to the intimate camera, the way that the film is shot, it's very close to the characters by purpose. And lots of this is behind the back, kind of like a third-person perspective camera used. And we, as the audience are building a more personal intimate connection with these characters by this by this experiment and allowing us to follow their every move and what i believe they are using well obviously high focal length and possibly need some large aperture to make this happen in a way where you have something in the foreground and uh, then it's blurry uh, blurry on the background creating this effect needed as yet kind of another artistic way of for us to be close. Yeah, and follow every move is precisely what you are doing in in, in this film. And when it comes to the cinematography, you actually quite quickly you notice that, that this film really loves to use a few set few number of, of ty- types of shots or, or types of, of filming and running through its narrative it doesn't really 
take take two main differences on in in the way how how the shots are being framed and how they are being shot actually shot like one of the one of the running running themes or, or running things that that really goes on like like you see this repeatedly either either is is a is a is a, a kind of a, a companion shot where you have two characters and then then you have blurry background like you you have characters on the background but they are out of focus that's something that you get a hell of a lot and another thing you really have like this is this is medium close shots that the film mm. mostly almost all of the film is is being shot on on a medium close-ups and the the film is so is kind of insistent on on staying on on medium medium close shots that you you also get these scenes where where you have two characters and the like like person A and person B and they are having a dialogue or they both are active on on that scene and the person B kind of gets cut out of the picture. This is something that happens, for example, when when Wei Pu go goes to he has bought the the, the fake ticket and. The ticket mm-hmm. has been rejected because it's fake, and he goes to the per- person who has sold him the ticket, and they start the dialogue, and and at the end of the dialogue, Weibo threatens the ticket seller that he will call the cops, and the ticket seller says that okay, I I will call my friend, and we get you your money back. Takes out mm-hmm. the f- cell phone and starts to you know talk to the cell phone, so he's the active part on on that moment in that scene. He's the one doing the ticket, uh, the talking, but once again, that the camera he, he stubbornly chooses to fixate on Wei Bu on medium close shot, so yeah, the ticket seller gets cut off the film. Except you know, you you can see his hand, and, and the sound comes from from somewhere. So when, when it comes to to the way how the film is shot, this is kind of kind of the level of of insistence that the film has on on this is how we are going to shoot it and by god we are not making any exceptions i think this works very well as a kind of like a documentary feel and uh, gives reality to the to the story and environment on my part i wasn't bothered by the things that you're saying at all because it's first of all, it's it's always the main character, one of the four main characters that is on focus on their own scenes, most maybe notably in Quan Ling's scenes at home, and the mother is babbling something, and we need to get the reactions constantly of Quan Ling. I do agree that there are some points, for example, close to the finale when they are near the train station, and, and uh, Wei Bu and Yu Cheng are uh, are discussing how to solve this little crisis here and Weibu's friend is coming from the background or somebody was coming from the background and he gets a little tidy into the right hand corner of the screen and the and the cameraman has to a little bit turn it to the right and it's it's not as smooth as you 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 would have maybe wanted it to be but it it's really nitpicking on my part yeah, yeah, that that may be, that may that may be, but what what's not nitpicking when, when it comes to the, the sto- cinematic storytelling of, of the film is is the fact that it takes forever. 
Yeah, but it's uh, it's, it's I guess you can see it very very well why it's taking forever. Yeah, I I can I can. It's because hard disk space is cheap. <sighs> Did we watch you, the same you can, movie? You can make make the argument. You can make the argument that the film is is trying to get you into the headspace of of the characters, but the film never actually stops from trying to do that as as hard as possible when it comes to to storytelling wise like uh, cinematography wise like to, to give you an example just one of these what, what i'm aiming at there's there's the scene at the one hour and 30 minute mark this is the, the parking lot scene with with yu cheng and i don't remember what was the woman's name yeah 130 25 exactly it's, an, it's a dialogue scene between two characters where they, they change some intimate dialogue. It's, it's, essentially, if I remember correctly, this is the scene about Yu Cheng kind of starting his journey to coming to terms about his uh, the, the reasons behind his friend's suicide. Like this, this is the moment when Yu Cheng tries to frame it like it's the woman's fault. Suicide happened. Mm-hmm. And so the, the the scene starts, and at the beginning of of, of the scene, uh, Yu Cheng has just uh, entered the parking lot. Yu Cheng starts to to walk. This is thirty six seconds of of slow walking in in a straight line mm-hmm. on on a fixed camera position, mm-hmm. uh, and there is sixteen seconds of staring in silence. Then the lady sits down. They have been both characters have been standing up until this point, and there are ten seconds of staring into the void from Yu Cheng. Mm-hmm. Then, then get this. Stay with me here. Yu Cheng sits down. You're with me, right? Yeah. Ma- major, major actions. Uh, then followed, following that is twenty-two seconds of of silence. And then Yu Cheng says that I heard about this two hours ago, uh, followed by 34 seconds of, of silence. Then Yu, Yu Cheng says, I should have picked you up at the airport. Seven seconds of, of silence, then I want a cigarette. 97, 19 seconds of silence during which... Yu Cheng digs around with with a cigarette and picks it up from the ground, and Yu Cheng is like, "You are you saying that you should have a new one?" No, 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 don't interrupt. We're still on this scene. Come on, pay pay attention. Following that is nineteen seconds of of silent cigarette lighting, mostly off screen because you know medium close shot, and and the cigarette is is and the lighter is is too low to be seen on the frame. Then, and during this, there was the, the Yuan Jing is, is looking at something. Yu Cheng is, is looking at the void once again. Then there's, and then Yuan Jing says that it's so tall. Not, you're not being shown what, but, but something is, is obviously really tall. And then you have 55 seconds of, of silence during which two blurred pedestrians appear at the background. But 
they, they are being blurry during the entire time. And then the next scene happens. And it's that the film is, is four hours of, of this. Like what, what I just described to you more or less is the cinematic structure of the film. Sometimes the silences are, are shorter. Uh, sometimes more happens in the scene. Uh, someone even even shoots himself or mm-hmm. off camera, but but that happens, and and one dude falls down the stairs or off camera, but but you get to see kind of a, a punch, and then the dude lying on the ground. But so so there are of course differences or on when it comes to the structure of the movie, but we are kind of more or less we are keeping with the same structure for four hours. Look, are you saying that? Are you saying that uh, this is something that you would want to be sped up when we're talking about depressed and troubled people who are trying to evoke the emotion in the audience that, yes, I'm a depressed and troubled person? This is not a Transformers movie, Henrik. No, but I'm, I'm kind of making the case that, well, as you, as you put it, that the film is... It wants to depict depressed peoples, and it's it's four hours of depression. Yeah, yeah that's you, you exactly are, why it's four hours. You are describing me a freight train that feels like two hours. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It feels like four hours of depression. Maybe even more because you know depression actually feels pretty depressing. It takes in the story four hours to get you into that prime depression, and then close no, it, the it doesn't. You actually can get into the prime depression and already in one hour mark. Like if if you need four hours to get into the mood of depression in this film, you are, you haven't done your homework. You are slacking off in your depression, Corey. Maybe, maybe maybe this is the Poland, the time in Poland dropping off. But but you most definitely you you have lost your touch into your inner depression or something like that. Because Depre- when it comes to the bleak color scape. The bleak filmography of, yeah. of the film. You can actually get, I, I would say, you can get into the depression in 30 minutes. 15, if you're a good one. Well, congrats to you. But that it, that's it. That's what it takes to tell the story of elephants sitting, sitting still. No, no, it doesn't. There, there really is, uh, even though it has, has four characters, it, it has, like, narrative. It, it, it has narrative for Ooh. an hour and a half. Film. Look! 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 Really. I know. I know and, and the rest of it, rest of it is is silence. I know that you're a very capable person watching slow and silent films where not much is happening for extended periods of time. We have done this this with Uncle Boon Me. So, what is this? It 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 sounds that suddenly you don't understand art cinema. No. <clears throat> the art cinema do, language. Do, 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 Frame it another way. No, I can... Were you busy to go somewhere to buy a new cake or what was this? This essentially, the, the closest relative, or kind of a, the, the sister piece to this movie, which com- comes from the same themes, that the poverty and feeling of hopelessness, the feeling of depression, which are the moods that this film, film tries to do, are, would be... From the films that we have covered, I would say Stray Dogs, mm-hmm. which when uh, at the beginning of the of of, of that episode you you kind of we both softened up to that film as it went on, and with, with Stray Dogs, where the argument was thrown out 
from our that it it aimed to be Zen film making. Mm-hmm. That's why it, it was kind of so disjointed. And so, also also had scenes that, that lasted forever, as as we point, pointed out. And that um also made to be in two hours. So I would really hesitate to say that to make the point on this film, you must definitely need the entire four hour running time. Because another Somehow filmmaker you are not to able do it to into... find the framework for for this film, but you're able to find it for something even slower. Here we have goddamn action sometimes. Yeah, what 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 action? You you be you be cheating on on an elephant and watching those Transformers films, haven't you? <laughs> we have a beating up of people here, sometimes off screen, but we do have major conflicts. Whereas in Stray Dogs, no. But okay, I guess we just have to agree to disagree. I hate saying that, but yeah. Well, do do we really? Because I think that director actually is doing this on purpose. Yeah, yeah. I, everything I is that... on purpose here. It's a very yeah. purposeful film. Yeah, and I I think that what what he's most that the main argument that Hubo wants to make through all of this is that the experience itself is more or less meaningless. Or at least the way how he chooses to tell the experience is meaningless. Mm. When well, if that's the framework that you need to understand this film, then go ahead. I, I get a lot of hostility. What well, did I strike a nerve by accident? Jesus Christ! And on your birthday, I'm not showing any nerve yet. Be able to stay tuned for that. Because when you look at look at the dialogue more closely, you actually start to notice that, that the film has a tendency, it doesn't do this too often, but it starts to repeat some sentences, like really short ones, two or four word sentences. And they, these are kind of a far and few between, and there are not that many of them. But I do think that the, the few that we have are, are quite telling. To give you a couple of examples, uh, there is, for example, the, the sentence out of out of life which is being said three times in in rapid succession mm. and and the, the, the kind of the biggest giveaway here the the one that the film most wants you to notice is piece of trash which is being repeated five times and in in here it's not even being masqueraded in any way at the end at the end it's it's just you know Characters repeating the word, uh, the, the sentence, piece of trash. Piece of trash, little brother, and you will be a piece of trash if you don't put this item on the window. Yeah, 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 and, and the, the, the character asks uh, a piece of trash, a little brother, and, and the, the, the remark is piece of trash, and and other character once again repeats piece of trash. Mm-hmm. So you, you are supposed to take notice on that. It's, it's really in your face. And I think well, that's a surprising moment. Guy is there to avenge something, something that happened to his brother, and then okay, piece of trash. Then why are you here? That's what I would think as the grandfather. And I, on my end, I, I think that's actually the filmmaker himself, kind of speaking to the audience. That that's kind of the. Well, last week we we talked about Jurassic Park sequels, and in Jurassic World, there there is the moment when when the park. Lady Claire ma- makes the whole speech how people no longer care about, you know, 
you know, dinosaurs, so we need something special, special. And that obviously was meant towards the audience. Like that was the, the director making a remark to the audience. You don't want dinosaurs, you want something special. It's also the, it, that I moment disagree. also was that film explaining itself to the audience. Mm. Like what's going to happen and why. And to me, Piece of Trash actually is, is, the, is Hupo making the same argument or making the same explanatory dialogue moment once again to the audience to show you and to tell you directly where he is coming from with this film because there is another moment that really feel kind of is is blatantly there plain as day you are main, meant to pay attention to this moment but it's it's a dialogue exchange with we between Weibo and Huang Ling where they are talking about the pure clue that, that Wei Bu has. Since he has been playing pool. And Huang Ling is asking, like, why, 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 why do you play it? Like, you are really good in, in pool. You have one... Re really good in shuttlecock. That's the only sport that he knows. Actually, shuttlecock kicking, which they do at the last shot of the film, as I understand it. Or but, what could be it. But, but he's carrying pool cue. He is carrying that, and I still am not sure if he took that only to gain money, just cheating the, the pool company, and if he did know Yu Cheng uh, at that moment when he was there, because then he runs pretty fra fast out of the place, out of the joint, when he notices him, or what seems to look like it. It's hard to say. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, 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 you're correct. It was, the, it was a shuttlecock that that way who was was played yeah but my, yeah. my mistake but but the case still still stands they were talking about a shuttlecock in in that case but mm -hmm. but the, the the discussion is is still the, the essentially the same i just got the wrong sport but still the same discussion and during this discussion, Weibo remarks that everyone can waste their time on any meaningless shit it even makes you look like a freaking pro. Mm -hmm. And that to me actually is the director explaining his own film. Why why waste all, all that time for you to to tell why why waste four hours to tell hour and a half worth of narrative? Why why have all those long pauses? Why shoot the film exactly how you, how you shoot it? And to me, that's actually is the director's answer. The the whole 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 this the, yeah, so the long silences. Look what you're saying here. You're saying that the the filmmaker is making fun of the audience. Is that's what you're saying? That and he's just treating this whole experience as a joke. No, I'm I'm saying that the director is showing a level of self criticism. Making the argument that his film, in the end, is is kind of meaningless, and he does it to look like a pro. He borrows a cinematic structure and filmography from well, well, well-established form of independent and art cinema. This is this is your Aki Kaurismäki once again at at full swing. This is Aki Kaurismäki. Times five, the way it comes to the cinematography, 
this is actually your pretty t- typical independent outdoor cinematography. Uh, well, I didn't get this from this quote. I think it's up to your how you yourself see the characters and yourself. But can we get to the Weibo introduction? Maybe? We we are with Weibo already. Okay. And and we are we are it's it's all meaningless and Sherlock is the only thing that other thing that is the only thing that he can he does because other things makes him feel even more worse. Which I also feel is is the director once again explaining himself. Why make art cinema? Because other things make him feel worse. Yeah, something to take note about the whole suicide of Hubo is that uh, this was it the Hungarian director who came to the screening of uh, Elephant Sitting Still. He said that Hubo was already working on very much on his next project. So, in that light, if he was already working on the script and on the actors and the locations, then this doesn't come off as a, such of a suicide note movie, but more of a well, just his experiences and then. Yeah, I kind of think that that you know trying to look a reason for suicide from a single film is kind of a wasted effort altogether. Well, it depends if he w- would have killed himself immediately after finishing the film and not doing anything else, then it would be like. I don't know. I I would be really hesitant to to take that reading, even in that case, because once again, suicide is is not on a spur of a moment decision, or or the decision can be, but the drivers leading into the suicide are not something that that happen that don't happen quickly. Yeah, so for some it does, and some for for some it doesn't. So. I I would say that behind every suicide there is always a longer tragedy. Uh, tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for some and, people it might, it can be very meditated, and for some people it's just kind of like a spur of spur of the moment. I will jump off the building. Uh, the the act, the the act can be uh, on a spur of a moment. Yeah. But but the reasoning behind yeah. the choice, not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And and because of but, this, I I would be hesitant to to look any piece of cinema as any kind of a suicide letter or any kind of explanation of of a suicide uh yeah but what we would, can would you have a larger body of work like like several films i i guess may, maybe you would need like 10 or more films to, to really try to to build a case why somebody killed himself Maybe in that case you, you could you could try to have the exercise to, to really try to 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 form like I watched all of these movies so now now I can piece together that reasoning and yeah, yeah. and, and basically I, all the events leading into the act of killing himself. But yeah, I would but, really be hesitant to do it on on case of one movie. Yeah, well, don't blame me for that yet because I think it's just an obligation to mention that it's something that happened to Hubo. And it happened immediately after finishing basically two films that are very depressive and suicidal in their nature. And this is one of the big reasons why people actually flock to see this film, because of this connection. So just to state it out, we, we it's also tackling with this film, this is, issues that he most probably was 
well, obviously was struggling in his own life also, and it got reflected on the screen. I mean, this film gives, like, it involves, is surrounding you about the environment they are located. And after watching these films, indeed, it will, like, inspire you how wonderful are your life to compare with those low-class, social-class one protagonist. They have all their the own issues, problems that obligate them to behave. Mm -hmm. so, so, so the film, I think at least something that you could take home from it is to understand that this is most likely like personal experiences that he has put on, on the screen. And therefore, I think we can find something important in there to respect life more and respect people more and take, take action sooner if somebody is showing any signs of such behavior as here. And I think hopefully you, you agree that this is this might be very... If there's anything to take home from here, it's that. I really wouldn't know about that. I, I kind of... Well, what do you take home from this? Depression, depression, thanks, bye. I actually take home from this that everything is meaningless. I actually don't. I have a completely different reading. And it's actually shown in the end when Weibu goes back at the train station to the grandfather, gets him back, and, and he says something like, let's see what is beyond this city. And they go on this journey after all together to look for something better. Yeah, and that, that ambiguity perhaps is... I, I guess that would be the, the, the biggest biggest factor in in the in defining how you will view the movie and how you will feel what you will feel the film will say because in in that ending in the very final moments the film left it unclear how it will all play out at the end you you have kind of a Two different versions which are being raised in that moment. The, the grandfather says that there's nothing except uh, awaiting for, for them at the end of the line. That that you, you can, you know, look into the distance. You can look at the other side of the fence and you realize you never get there. You will never get into any place different. Yeah. Always, wherever you go... You are always stuck in here, which to me translates into you will always stuck will always be stuck in meaningless and not nothing mattering. You can be stuckmanized. At the moment, I really agree with Henry's opinions about the films, the moment of silence. Yeah, yeah, I have to quite be surprised by the opposition here tonight. But anyway, this uh, this quote is, you can go wherever you want to. Yes, you can. However, you'll find nothing different. I learned this when I wasted most of my life away. So I have to sugarcoat it. There must be a difference. You're right here and you look over to the other side. You believe it must be better than this. But you can't go. By not going, you learn to live with it here. Yeah, and to me, that, that's not so much about the physical place. Like, the, he he's not... The grandfather who says those lines is not talking about the city they are living in, but he's talking about a more ex existential thing, like the meaning of meaningless and, and the life not having a meaning and there really not being a purpose for you. 
in life. And the, the counter argument to do what grandfather says comes from Weibo who encourages the grandfather to come with him one last time to the to the next destination, to the next city to see the elephant. Yep. And the grandfather, yeah, he he does make the, the decision to come with Weibo and embark on the bus journey. And the very final closing shot is when they are once again in one pit stop with, with the bus and in the distance they, they hear hear the elephant. Yeah. And, and that that's like cut to black end credits from, from that shot. And we with this, I, I get that I, I get the feeling, I, and my reading is that there are two kind of a fighting or opposite points being being drawn out. The grandfather's point that that the entire life is meaningless, and and Vapo's more hopeful reading that maybe maybe in the distance there is something, and then the final that the elephant moment, kind of a leading it all into an a into an ambiguity like. There, there is something that most definitely is elephant, but is it really different? That that's never been really like worded out by the film. The film leaves the question open. Yeah, it does. As it closed. Yeah. Clearly, they, as I understand it, they still haven't gotten anywhere near Manchuli. So, so it's just some kind of elephant moment. And what do you make of all these quotes about the elephant? Actually, one is maybe it just enjoys sitting there is this like he or she enjoys existing for no reason and wh- why is the elephant making the making the noise is it for hope or or is, is it's so ambig- ambiguous that that it's hard to make it out then there is a quote they feed the elephant food but it takes no notice end quote so maybe like the characters of the film if, if you took notice whenever they're eating they seem to be <laughs> quite quite bored while doing it kind of eating but not taking it any notice of the process yeah and as as I, like i said to me the the whole elephant and, and the way how the film ends that, that's kind of kind of the the moment where the film lets you to draw you draw the line how how you feel what what is the main argument of the film how the how the film ends uh, I get from you, Kari, that that your reading was that the film ends with with a hopeful note, that there is a meaning, that there there is some reason for us to to exist. It it it's not just you know, let's rapid non-existence, exist like no reason existence that we go through. Well, let's be careful with the wording here because. Uh the fact that there might might be hope at the end of the film i don't think it's communicating necessarily that there is a reason or a point to all of this being here there's this one quote for example quote do you know manchuli yes i'm going there there's an elephant sitting there why does it matter to you it doesn't but still i i feel that that this elephant symbolizes some kind of a hope without meaning which is which which what which is what life is you're looking for the next clue to keep you hanging on something fun to do but it doesn't say that it's it it necessarily has an inherent meaning yeah and i like my 
closing thought with the film was that the film most definitely argues that there is no meaning to anything. And and the director makes the statement that there is no meaning in the ending. And But then again, Yu Cheng has this dialogue piece, quote, There will be something. Look around. Everyone's alive. End quote. And I didn't understand this quote, but it was in reference to the elephant. Sam, do you think that the the elephant in the room has anything to do with the whole elephant in the title and as the theme of the film? Does Chinese have any idiom related to elephants? We don't really have like idioms related to elephant, but I am disagree with Henry that this meanless. For me, the elephant interrupt was like you are in the way, you are in the road, because there are the dialogue which say, whenever you want, you are living the same, you are in the same situation, the city situation won't change. But the, when you hear the elephant in the room, you are in the process of changing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you are, yeah, you are changing yourself. You are trying to get the hope. You are not still on the same place. You are, you are closing. You are approaching to the your destin- end destination, Manzoli. You should change yourself. Is like a stage, a different stage. The start of different stage. Yeah, well, I guess personally, I've always wanted to escape to somewhere. I wanted to escape in 2013 when I went on a several month uh, trip around Spain and the southern Europe. I quit my job, quit everything, and just went on this little A wall trip. And I also moved to Poland in 2015 and. I did find a lot of happiness there. No Slavic jokes, please. <laughs> but uh, ultimately, similar problems chase you, sure. So- sometimes changing the location really does make the world more more tolerable, though. So there is actually a lot of things. The, the environment is the key. The, that That's the kind of the problem that the, all of the characters are experiencing in this film. They can't be happy because of monetary problems. It's because of the town maybe they, they are not unable to get work there maybe it's the system that they're living in maybe they yeah. need to change the country so indeed yeah the, the life problems it won't stop chasing you but when you change the place you find new hopes new changes yeah. in your life yeah 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 and i think those changes are enough to keep the show going even they haven't arrived in Manzoli at the end of the film, but in the room, for me, it means you're approaching. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're close and close to your new life, your new... Yeah, guys, 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 life is meaningless. It, it, it truly is. There's no point in... I, I didn't say that in, there is any, any kind any... of a biblical reasoning for life or anything other reasoning in general. I said that there is ways to make yourself live a happy and contempt life yeah it's it's um it's a self-made illusion in in your head <laughs> you you buy and consume shit you go go to places and you tell yourself that that this this room makes it all worth it i guess and you there's should a reason meet. for me to exist yeah. there there's a I, I should exist because of these moments but what they really are they are just a trap like they, they, they are. It, 
You, you are you are trapped in in a cage, and life just keeps kicking you in the head. And every now and then, then life throws a piece of cheese at your direction, which is which is you going to the next place or you get, getting some nice shit or something like that. You make a lot of money, and then life just you know, and that that piece of cheese. Give, gives you the, the impression that no, no, yeah, life is grand. I, I should go on existing. Then life just comes in and kicks you in the in the head a bit more. And just when you are finally giving up a second time, it throws you another piece of cheese and you eat it. And you're like, well, no, yeah, yeah, no, there, there is meaning to this. That there's a, I, I should go on. And then life comes and kicks you in the head once again. So I guess I believe you're not very. You haven't delved deep into the practice of uh, of meditation or other skills and mastering of of the mind. The, the, the argument, the, mind, the, the, the argument, argument that you, are... you can be happy in actually any environment to a degree if you just master your mind in doing so. You can be a, in a isolation cell for two years if you are skillful with your with your mind so you you have to remember that it's it's mostly in your head what you're experiencing you, you have to sometimes you know defragment the drive that 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 sounds a lot of talk coming from a person who hasn't been in isolation or hasn't been you know in, in any kind of a, like who who has always managed to exist in in a nice, comfy, some kind of Western society where you don't have to, I don't know, take part in war or or see hunger, or or face any kind of a major obstacle? Like like certainly, certain, no. certainly, like like you know, take take my my position for example. I I can very easily make that that argument. I have a roof on top of my head. I have enough financial gains to, to you know, get get food. I don't have to starve. I don't yeah, still face for war, Holocaust, genocide, any kind of a major obstacle. I, I, yeah. I of course, of course, of course. For me, you know, it can it can be just you know meditation. I just free my mind and let it wander, and I can be happy. But I would kind of be hesitant to say that that at that would apply to all and everyone. It's something that I can say because I ha- enjoy a hell of a lot of privileges as as I go by. I don't really have to wor- worry about the basic necessities of of my life, or e- even you know that the continuous existence of that life. There is well. no major threat for me. So of course it's it's easy for me you know find a happy place and and just be happy and and not to worry but I kind of would be I I hear this argument every now and then being raised up and usually what I found out is is that the people raising that that argument are are people who don't have to exist in isolation who don't have to exist in solitary confinement, who don't have to exist in any kind of a war and torn hellhole. Yeah, but for example, India, it's uh, one of those big countries that we know of that uh, utilize meditation. So some of those people who are living in 
close to absolute poverty conditions even, they managed to live some kind of a happy life, maybe due to those teachings. Anyway, the Hubo, his kind of a basis for this film was also kind of the, the, the modern life where, like you said, that you have a roof over your head and everything seems to be fine on paper, yet we're still feeling empty, which I don't know if who, apparently Hubo didn't have any resolution for that. Well, he did have a resolution for that. I mean, mm. if, if you take the point of view that the life is meaningless, which is kind of the, the, the point that all the characters are coming from in, in this film. Yeah, but then what? They, what? What? It, so it's meaningless. So what? Yeah, like we have, like, it's all very much about the state of mind. You, something bad happens to you. Maybe something, nothing happens to you, but you feel bad because of the fucking chemicals in your brain. And to help with that situation, you eat better food. You start to feel infinitely better. You start to meditate. You realize that there is uh, neuroplasticity to, the, to your brain and you can always change your brain, actually, by doing whatever you're doing. You're changing your brain all the time by a situation and what you're doing with it. So there are ways to approach life in a less murky fashion, I'm sure. But it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, and none of that actually still gives any meaning to exist. Like, like certainly you can you can be happier, but as as I would state, the film argues, you you still don't have a meaning in any way. There's not no meaning in in anything. There's no meaning but in, is there meaning in life. In there's death? no meaning in in the film. You can say that there's no meaning in death, right. and there's no meaning in this podcast. <laughs> this is this is all meaningless shit. The, the the only only point in in this whole exercise is that, like like this, maybe this is the shuttlecock the podcast. This is the shuttlecock the podcast. Trying trying to show off how good we are in something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, that's that's the major argument of of the film. As as Wei Bu puts it, it makes you like if if you invest a lot of time on meaningless shit, it can even make you look like a pro. Mm. Hubo looks like a pro. He's, he's an independent filmmaking darling. Uh, if if the if the reviews are anything to go by, or maybe he just wanted to communicate something nice, or maybe he just wanted to say that nothing matters. Or maybe he wanted to say that, look how good I am. Maybe, maybe. By, by you know, wasting time on meaningless shit. And and now he is a pro because he did that. And, and Congratulations. You, you, you find the film because you every now and then want to approach the, the Amazon recommendations. And, and, and you, you feel like you, you found something great. And now, now we are talking about it. And what, what what we are do, doing, doing, we are talking about a meaningless film in a meaningless podcast. Are you saying this is going to be meaningless for our listeners? We are here to create value. I'm doing the best I can. I I would say that in, in the end... Shuttlecock exercise. We don't really do anything meaningful. Well, that's it's, the subject matter for the episode where you wanted to talk about if anything that we do here is valuable, right? <sighs> 
it's it's once again once again it's it's two different cases are we doing something valuable and what the film is saying what, what is the grounding argument of of the movie in my opinion the film as, as i try, try try to address here the film tries to argue that that this all is meaningless including uh, the film podcast that we are doing uh, there, there's coming from hubo's point of view i i would say that that if you would get an honest answer from the director, is there really point to our podcast? He would say no. What but, we are doing is we are wasting our time. We are wasting the the audience's time. And the only from what? Kind of from what? Result... If it's meaningless, hmm? from what? From what are we taking our time away? If everything is meaningless. And for for that matter, without any load in this question, if everything is meaningless, why are you here, here Henrik? Why are we here? Why do we uh, exist? Once again, are you uh, questioning? Uh, are you interrogating me, or are you interrogating the film? Do I'm you do you want in, me in, to, to interrogating the... you? What is your point of existing at this moment? Or let's say, what what is your driving motive, or what what keeps you here? So you are interrogating me. I, I'm not. Uh, there's not no any kind of a load here. I'm just interested. Why? I'm, 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 I, I wanna. Be, the reason why I wanna cl- clarify who you are trying to talk to, you. to, to, okay, because I've been try, trying to talk about the film. Yeah, well, shifting gears. And, and and you want a personal answer from me? Because you keep saying how everything is so meaningless. Oh, because that's the re- re- reading I get from the film. And if it's meaningless, then go kill yourself is the solution. Is is, is that what is, what you want to say? Is basically what I think the film is trying to say, what the director is trying to say. But we three in the room here, virtual room, we still find some me- meaning to live, or maybe not meaning, we find some motive to live. Kari, 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 Kari. Analyzing film, even liking the film, does not mean that you have to agree with with its director. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. The three of us can continue living. You you don't have to. Yeah, but you 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 yourself tried to allude. I believe that in your perspective also, life is meaningless. No, I'm trying to okay. talk about. Uh, no, I feel that that's the argument that the film is making. Okay, okay. Uh, do you but, want? But to... if you if you want to have a deeper discussion about the personal reasonings and existing uh, kind of the, the existential reasoning to alive certainly we can of course have that discussion too yeah okay uh, do you want to say any words about the grandfather character wang jing because i think this is one of the few characters maybe the only character who i don't know if he if he's doing anything particularly abhorrent here he, he is an honest character and he is pretty decent the only great pr- person in the film in my view and seems that Hubo seems to have respect for the elderly in this film, and whereas the young people or younger people not so much. So, kind of a difference from the other characters. He does face opposition even from his family's side, and I th- I think they're being quite well. They have some reasoning for it, but then they're not taking into account the feelings of the grandfather Wang Jing, and as the grandfather's friend states it out, quote, you are useless to them. They just want to get what they want. And uh, in, in in one way, it's really understandable that they want a better future for 
their kid, but completely sidelining the what the grandfather would be experiencing, as we see the the experience that he has in that little visit into that this nursing home is not very uplifting once again. And immediately after the dog has been killed, they're like, oh, yeah, well, I guess you can go to nursing home now. Yeah, in this case, the dog is used as an excuse to stay at home. Yep. Mostly. Yep. It's quite common to find out in China, in China that the grandfathers are living in the same house with his son, grandsons and son. The big family, you know, in China. But when they are get older, some of the the sons or the family is quite be, the behavior is quite negative. They want to get out the elders and get the better school for their childs, since the destination of school is according to the direction of each one, each family. And there are a lot of difference between a good school and a bad school that you see in the bad high school in this field. How level can be the the, the director or so in this case the older use the pet as excuse to refuse or to reject the proposition of his family. Okay, did you did you find any special purpose in that Huanling? wants to be with this vice dean like uh would that is is that for looking for just a better best place to live because the mother is a complete douchebag that's probably mostly it and i'm not sure what that video is that it what is being circulating around but apparently according to huan ling's words they did nothing out of line yeah the the two Films that that have been uh, shot within the film's universe, that uh, the camera footage, that the first one being Weibo's friend, who has been filmed when he has been pissing, which is the kind of a reasoning for for the friend stealing the bully's cell phone to to get get his hand on the on the film, and the the later one being the one that you guys mentioned, which is Huang Ling and the vice dean, I guess, hang around in, in karaoke bar. Uh, to me, that was, once again, that was kind of a showing that the Hubo kind of a showing you the moment of trying to give a meaning to something meaningless. Uh, because both, both of these Characters, Weibo's friend and Huang Ling, they, they make a huge number about the existence of, of the films. The Weibo's character, as 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 said, steals the, the cell phone, creates the whole inciting incident in, in Weibo's narrative story arc by, by stealing the cell phone and, and causes the whole avalanche of bad things that happen. And Huang Ling feels that her life is destroyed by... By, by the film about about her and the vice dean together in in some karaoke bar, if if I remember correctly, in in both cases you are not being shown the films, but but what you kinda get from the the depictions of of the films is that there really is nothing to them, mm-hmm. like like maybe maybe 
me, me, yeah, yeah. Like, this is once again where, the, where, the, where it gets murky. The characters themselves, they act like they are, they are big deal. Huang Ling feels that her life is, is over because the film exists. But, but the depiction of the film is that it, it was nothing. It, it was her and the vice dean at the karaoke bar and nothing happened. Wei Bu's friend feels that his life is, is somehow over if the film gets uploaded and into circulation. But the depiction of the film is that it, it's just him pissing and, and nothing more. So... Uh, what you are being told that the films hold is is that they are actually quite meaningless, and the characters are trying to put a meaning into them. Well, it depends, I guess, on the content of the film. I wouldn't be a really uh, happy, jolly person if somebody was carrying some kind of a pissing material on their cell phone. Well, you might not be happy, but would it end your life? Like it sexual pretty... material. Between be a student and and a, a, a de- vice dean, that that certainly would be bad. But once again, that the film makes a point that that that's not the material. Like Huang Ling makes makes the case that nothing indecent happened. It, it's just them, the two of them, in a karaoke bar, and yeah. and the, the 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 frontal nudity pissing video. Yeah, yeah. M- Em- embarrassing, maybe. Uh, not not too happy that it that it exists. May it it might be an inconvenience, but but would that be a life ending either? W- would it be worth of of you know carrying a handgun into a school so you can threaten the bully to to, to give up the cell phone or is it is it even worthy of of you know? Stealing another person's cell phone. Well, I would, have and, and then having to to buy a new phone for for the bully. Yep. Not not necessarily. I mean, it's it's embarrassing video certainly, but but in my opinion, not necessarily life ending. Not life ending, but awkward to the point where I would also take his phone and smash it to million pieces, throw it to the lake. Okay, because I most likely would just be like, "Yeah, we well, You have no shame. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a Finnish film podcaster. Of course, <laughs> I don't have. Jesus Christ! From which we get to the no shame of the vice dean, whose wife seems to get the idea now from the circulating video what is going on, and that this little girl is, well, little girl and little girl, but this girl is hanging with the vice. And by that we get the notion quickly that that yes, their relationship hasn't ended, and now Huan Ling has been betra- betrayed, like almost every character in this film in some way has been betrayed. So she leaves for Manjuli after a while. And Li Kai, this friend character, is also similar, kind of cowardice and selfish in the way that he doesn't tell to his best friend Weibu that, well, I I actually stole the phone. Only around the middle point of the film, he starts to open up about it. And then Weibu says that you you sold me out. Quote, you worthless punk. I'm probably the last person to see who you really are. End quote. Probably meaning that some violence will ensue to you. I didn't get that meaning. What did you get from that? I, I get that it was just a disappointment. 
Like, like kind of, kind of like in in another movie, you you would have two characters, a man and a woman, and and one character has been cheating on the another, and now now that that character who has been cheated on finds out and just you know goes to the ne- the the cheater and is is like now I finally see who you are. In in that film, kind of a typical typical your your drama movie moment where no violence happens. It it's just you know I I finally see who you are. We are through. I'm bre- breaking up with you. Here, here's the engagement ring ring. You bastard. Kind of moment. And that's how I I took took it here also. I I never got the, the feeling that Weibo is in any way threatening violence at, at his friend, or even even making the case that any kind of a karmatic violence would happen to him. He's just like, I, I'm the last person to see how what kind of a spineless prick you are. And one of those rather ambiguous moments is when he appears near the end with the gun, threatens Yu Cheng with it. Is this Li Kai trying to redeem himself to Wei Bu? I don't think that he it's him trying to redeem himself. I think that's him trying to find a meaning for himself. Uh Likai presents the gun earlier in, in the film. In in that moment when, when the gun is first presented, when it's kind of a setup. Uh, I to to me Likai is is trying to make the point that he's finally something like he he feels like every other character in the film he feels worthless he and and meaningless of his own existence he feels like he is nothing and nobody and now he believes that with with the gun he is something he is the man with the gun yeah. he is some someone who can no longer be ignored and left into this, mm. you know, swallow in this in this meaningless. Now everybody else has to take notice of him, has to be afraid of him. And through the act of being noticed and being afraid, he would have a meaning. And in, in Likai's final decision in the film, which is to take that same gun and shoot his fucking brains off, to me, that moment that the suicide reads as Alikai uh, once again keeping in in tone with the film's point. Alikai understands that even with with the gun, his life and and he himself would not have a meaning. That that even 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 when somebody would be afraid of him, even when he would have the power by being the man with a gun. There, there still is no meaning, like like nothing changed. It's it's like the grandpa says at the train station that that you can go into some place and it's the same. Nothing changes. Likai kind of goes into into emotionally into an another place. He becomes somebody else. He becomes the man with the gun, but it doesn't matter because nothing ever changes. Yeah, on my part I get actually a whole lot of tranquility from the fact that there is no meaning, which I actually agree with. And so there is no actually external pressure put on you to actually do anything, really. You can just live your life as you very damn well please. 
as you should, in my opinion, to live a healthy and uh, quote-unquote meaningful life for yourself, but not being a dick to others. But Lee Kai says that the world is just disgusting and shoots his brains out. Anything about Huang Ling? Basically, like, like other characters, uh, Huang Ling presents, at, at least in my view, she presents the same argument that, than the three other characters. She comes to the argument from a different perspective. They All, all, all four characters, they, they live in different type of situation, surface-wise. And the family issues they are in Weibo's environment and Huang environment. Here it's the mother, don't use my foundation, don't get pregnant. This kind of person who is never listening. Quote, does shaming me make you happy? Yeah. Yeah, is... with, with Huang Ling's mother, you you, you kind of... It, it's, at least for me, it was hard to say what she really is. She comes off first as a selfish person, but as, as she gets more screen time, her condition starts to, to read more and more like a depressed person. And mm-hmm. from them that point onwards, you you kind of you you can ask the film which one is she or is she both? Is she selfish or is she depressed or is she a selfish person who is depressed or is she being selfish because she is depressed? Yeah, you can't choose your parents or where you grew up. She's a victim of circumstances, uh, structural violence. One of those less nuanced characters is, of course, Mr. Ali, the Vice Dean. Extremely selfish and cowardice person. Or maybe Henry would like to say just realistic, you know. He doesn't care about the fate of the school students and is just looking for his own end. Doesn't care where they might end up. In fact, he downright pisses on these people. Yeah, I... Like I said, yeah. He is a character who is kind of a looking at his, looking for his own end. He tries to live a meaningful life for himself. Which ends up him getting some baseball bat from Huang Ling. On mm, uh, at the end, yeah. Yeah, he, he is somewhat of a spineless character, must be said. But once again in 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 all his his pointlessness he is once again he is just one more character who who kind of tries to find a meaning for himself who tries to live the best possible life for himself and something that i wanted to ask from sun is there's a point where where weibu throws a match into the ceiling so that it sticks there and leaves a burn mark like the rest of the, the matches before it. So, is there any meaning to it? Or completely meaningless? I would say meaningless. I don't have any other interpretation for it. Yeah, not not, not like a Chinese tradition to throw matches into the ceiling. <laughs> no. The, the bigger question, I think, would be what the hell is being put in the, into, the, into matches in China? Like, how did that match make it stack, stuck? I think he put something into it to make it stick. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. who knows? Who who knows is actually quite accurate here. Or did know. Or did he? I don't know. Yeah. We, we will never know. Oh, the ambiguity. There was a lot of explosions in the background of the film. 
Could it be protests or bombs or New Year's fireworks or nothing at all? Maybe just some ambience that got stuck in the background because kids were doing kids stuff in the background. Who knows? So all in all, it's some kind of a study of human misery to me. People dipped in solitude, everybody searching for something in the meaninglessness, trying to survive the best that they can. Everybody's having a really shitty day, but not all of them are looking for ways out by the gun or hanging themselves and not, not by killing themselves. They, they are looking for some hope, meaningful or not. The cleaner boy at school also says this quote, the world is a wasteland. It's also in the trailer. I did learn some Chinese when watching this film. Wait, while I get this phrase back. Okay, so what, what do you have to learn? And what is the world most impacted on you? This one. Um, I'm doing my best, okay? Um, okay, say, say it again. Okay. Uh, <laughs> say it one more time. I'm so sorry again. I don't get it. Wait. Okay. Okay, this is courtesy from Google Translate voice. That's all I can do. Who <laughs> say that? <laughs> Juan Ling. Juan Ling. She, she's shouting that the toilet is leaking. <laughs> <laughs> the toilet is leaking in the apartment and she's shouting to her mother that something should be done about this. Yeah, okay, I remember that scenario, but <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe it's pronunciation issues. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm sure it is. I will send it to you via WhatsApp and you can read it correctly. Just a second... Or maybe it's shusha, shusha. <laughs> Just read this. But oh, okay, I I got it. It means that there are waters on the toilet. Yeah, how do you say that in Chinese? Tsushila. <laughs> <laughs> and there we got it. Yeah. So. Why just pay attention in the, in this sentence? Is there any special there? Very important key sentence. <laughs> yeah, is it, there any? Key... It, 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 it sums up the entire film. I, I it is relevant my... for the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tried to have my shuttlecock moment. Look how much Chinese I speak. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I see. Uh, crash and burn. So. But is the film making a statement about the general futility of life, or is it more about the statement about the toxic people and toxic circumstances, or just the futility in general? Uh, to me, this, in general. This is more like only focus on toxicity, people and relationships. It's not happens in the daily life, not too much. Yeah, so something that is universal, not related to yeah, Chinese, yeah. Chinese state or this place exactly yeah. yeah from from view of the drama and story it's only talking about the lower class society class people who is affront their life every day and the worst scenarios they got it yeah hmm. 
maybe because I think most of the European peoples confuse uh, these films as a um, perception of Chinese societal diary life, but it's, it's completely misdirected. Okay. Yeah, the the ugliness it's that that this move show, shows it it could happen in everywhere. I suppose we can go to the quickies at this point. I I, I guess we have meaningless ways that anyone the listener's time. Don't don't uh, worry, enough, Henrik. Enough enough already. Uh, yeah, the the freight train is uh, is well on its way to more meaningless avenues such as Hellraiser. That that by by virtue is is meaningless. <laughs> and uh, special mention for an actor from this film goes to Chang Yu, who who plays the the cocky gang leader, bully's big brother. Yeah, well, for me it was really hard to say because all the leads have great range showcased, and they are also good. So. I would even refuse to pick one, but maybe maybe the same as Henrik, if okay. pushed against the gun. Yeah, I cannot say too much. Dif- yeah, disagree with you. Yeah. Yeah. What resonated with you the most? For me, maybe the final showdown, showdown near the train station where Wei Bu and Yu Chen meet. It's very emotionally loaded scene. In my case, I, the moment who when. The protagonist persuade the grandfathers to to go again to Manzoli, even if it's not the end destination. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rick. Uh, for me, it it was the, the the director stating that everyone can waste their time on on any meaningless shit, and if <laughs> it, it, it even makes you look like a pro. <laughs> And uh, do we have one adjective how to describe this film? For me, it would be actually comforting. How about you guys? Abism. Void. Henrik? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really tired here. Now, now that you mentioned comforting, because I'm, I'm, I'm mixed between meaningless and comforting because, because the film makes the case that you can end it. It's important to speak out loud of these issues, and uh, I think it's great to bring it on the forefront. And do do you think this is an important issue in China to discuss about, Sen? Yeah, and even I haven't been living there too much time. But yeah. regarding to I, I know, yeah, of course, it's very relevant point to discuss. And some have even said that this film could be a kind of a turning point stylistically in the Chinese cinema because at least the direction of the films that they take is vastly different from this dark depiction. Yeah, and this only reflects the, as I mentioned it, the ugliness and the Chinese films used to send the positive message to audience. You know, the yeah. the freedom expression in Chinese is a bit limited in some house Mm-hmm. Since there are a lot of uh, low class social classes, then they will be m- manipulated easily. So, sending those negative or undarkened f- movies to them will be 
a disaster impact on them. This turning point, I guess, for middle class up will be, yeah, definitely change point. Yeah. Would you consider to watch this film ever again? Henrik? Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, not in any any recent future, no. Um, uh, mainly because I I really do think that the film is the the film uses uses that that artsy. I'm saying nothing and st- uh, staring into the void way too much. Uh, I I don't know. There is a chance. That uh, that I will revisit the film on some later date, but and you see the light at fun. at least for for now I'm gonna be watching something else like Transformers, like like anything from Aki Kaurismaki because Aki Kaurismaki can do this shit in two hours. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely see this later on, and I I can see that it's it's the kind of film that carries finally enough some meaning for generations to come and also to me personally Sen? Uh, I don't think I'll watch again the elephant still sitting still since you have to watch a lot of comedy and comedies to counteract the, the, the depressed environment they can create in this film one against two yet again what do you think this film will have any staying power legacy, Eric? Mm, honestly, no. Oh. I, I, I don't think this one will have. Um, it, it boils down into once again the the nature and and the feeling of, of the film. It's an elephant standing standing still is an is an Chinese artistic, altruistic film. And because of that, I don't think that this will ever garner any kind of a mainstream appeal. Uh, if if this has a chance to have a legacy or or to be the be remembered or having staying power, it it will happen in in film film puffs circles like like th- this is very much a film that will circulate or or can circulate on on those circles and when it comes to to film pops when it comes to film clubs and and stuff like these i am positive that an elephant standing still will every now and then creep up somewhere around the world just like it has crept up here in our podcast today but I wouldn't say that that's any kind of a legacy, and I I can believe that the first counter argument that I will be presented that you know when somebody wants to make the point most likely you agree that that this film will have a legacy is is the the glowing recommendations that the movie has garnered in in the review circles from from other you know film reviewing film connoisseurs. Yeah, and I kind of think that we have been talking about this this before. That the, once again, that the discussion about around our rating scale, which is would you recommend, would you or would you not recommend the film, yes or no, uh, instead of any kind of a like a point score system, one to five stars, A to F, uh, 
thumbs up, thumbs down uh, type of deal. And I, when it comes to the reviews, I think that this is, once again, this is a good example of, of the technical system working, but it not, not meaning that this the film will have a legacy. To me, the glowing reviews, the, the A minuses and sevens, seven out of tens are something that, that, the, that, that that's an easy, good recommending review given by the reviewer. I give this 7 out of 10, which is a good score. But I don't believe that that will, in the end, in the long run, translate into that reviewer ever recommending this film personally to anyone. Like, like when, when the reviewer gets, gets his friends together to, to join him in, in his home in the, for a movie night, he will not pick this one up and, and put this on. Like, let's watch an elephant standing still. No, he will pick something else. So despite, despite the good reviews that the film has garnered, I don't think that this will gain that kind of circulation. That, that kind of, like, I'm showing this film to you. I'm telling you to watch this film that, the you know, An Elephant Standing Still would have a legacy. Well, I believe it already has. This film has some kind of a cult following going on here and uh, seems to be growing by the day. Of course, it's hard to calculate online like how big of a following it is. But there is certainly an enthusiastic crowd who has seen this film and for some of them it has meant a whole lot and has been a big personal connection but that kind of brings me to the would you recommend the film and uh, and that is a uh, flying recommendation where every lead character has a deep character and they develop all the way right to the last minutes kind of justifying the entire length and the mood the, the uh, director is trying to find here and has lots to say about how we in the modern society approach other people and what our state of mind as a consequence might be. And I believe I will be watching this many times and it, it will be definitely the kind of film that I will be recommending to film fanatics in my circles and people who have the patience to go through four hours of film. This might be even one of the best films released in the 2010s, insofar as you can actually quantify that in any way. So I haven't seen every film made in the 2010s, but a very high recommendation. Yeah, I would say the same. The four-line story counting mood is quite awesome to to see how the, the four stories develops at the same time and they come across with each other. Yeah, I would definitely recommend as well. Even the story is a bit sad and pity in many fa in many aspects. Okay, I got the vibe before from our discussions that you weren't so probably forthcoming to uh, recommend this film, but maybe something happened during this process of doing the podcast. The, the, yeah, the deep analysis of the the contents and the behaves of the, the the characters it's just not about the story it's mm. about each silence have this meaning but the life is meaningless at the end <laughs> mind blown yeah henrik uh 
from my end, it's it's a glowing, like high flying. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, perhaps to sad and pathetic film podcasters once again, as much as Kari hates hates these fringe recommendations, but this is at best most definitely a fringe recommendation. It's an it's an hour and a half of narrative stretched for four hours, most of which is is silence and staring into the void. As, as you do in this type of artistic experiments. To me, the main linchpin, where, where the whole whole thing actually hangs upon, is, is the director's... What I take is the director's statement. The, the, the film is is depiction of, of as, as Curry has, has put it, systematic violence or institutionalized violence the violence of the systems, it's about poverty, it's about aimlessness, it's about hopelessness. When it comes to translating those themes, I, I think that I, I would be more recommending The Stray Dogs, which does the same thing in two hours. But what, what, like for me, the question hangs upon what I took is, is the director's statement that that the, the 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 statement of meaningless including the film itself like that that the film is is meaningless to to me it's 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 once again it's way boost a line that everyone can waste their time in any meaningless shit uh, it even makes you look like a, a freaking pro and to to me it very much reads like the director telling about himself as as already discussed and if I would be recommending this film, it would be uh, because of that level of honesty. Outside of that honesty, as as Kari has put it, this is a film that that tries to make you feel miserable, and and, and kind of kind of a it it tries to make you feel tired and kind of a stretched out like the film itself is. It's a very tired film. It's a very stretch, uh, stretched out film. And certainly, yeah, yeah, the, 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 that effect does work. You, you feel tired when you are watching. I, I, at least I felt. I felt stretched out. I, I felt like, like, like going through some utterly meaningless stuff. It still doesn't change the fact that, well, it's four hours of you feeling bad and feeling tired so i guess it worked yay it, it it worked but once again would you recommend it would you recommend like hey here feel bad about about your time and about yourself for four hours feel like shit for four hours i can kick you in the nuts and be done in in, in 30 minutes Suffering uh, cinema is hardly a new concept in this podcast, so yeah. No, no, but, but it's, it's one, one, once again, w- once again, would you recommend the experience? That that becomes the question, and I'm kind of really hesitant on recommending experience feeling like shit or feeling tired, feeling depressed for four uh, for four hours. I wouldn't recommend really feeling depressed outside of maybe two. So 
that the main question once again is would you would I recommend it because of the director's honesty and it's really hard to actually say in many ways it would be tempting to say that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. go 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 and check out the film where the director says that that it, the movie itself is meaningless and everything he has done is meaningless everything is meaningless that there's a level of honesty that perhaps yes is nice to witness from a director and from a film but With that, once again, it would be recommending feeling depressed for four hours. And I don't know if if that's worth the entry ticket. So it's it's really like if you're a film buff, yeah, maybe lukewarm. I don't know. Fuck, maybe no. No recommendation. Wow. That's just like your opinion, man, and I can't do anything about it. Won't respect it either. <laughs> you really know you're watching the elephant sitting still when Henrik. When this has an erotic tone. You really know you're watching the elephant sitting still when you find comfort in the meaningless. Sen? Oh yeah. To me you you know really when you are watching this when it absorbs you in the misery life of both protagonists they have. <laughs> <laughs> no. That, so, that, was, that was a good one. That was a good one. So, Henrik, would you recommend Man in the Well? Um, kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. I, it's, it's most definitely the Man in the Well. Overall, Hubo's uh, short films... They are uh, definitely easier to to recommend than than elephant than an elephant. Uh, they they both, in my opinion, they they tackle the the same the, themes, not as clearly. And something that is lacking, perhaps, is is the the director's even my own film is is meaningless reading. Uh, that's not so much on on the shorts, but. Other themes, in my my opinion, like the financial hardships and and the depression, even the life's meaningless, is is carried over in in the short films. And from those, yeah, Man in the Well, I I think is perhaps the the strongest recommendation because it's also artistically the most experimental it's it's even more experimental than than an elephant standing still so if if i from from the three or films the man in the well would be my highest recommendation for hubo i would i would say that is is pretty solid recommendation the man in the well i wasn't sure what the hell was going on like most of the movie and it's it's certainly kind of experimental there isn't exactly a beginning in an end in a traditional sense it's it's but you can see those the same themes there i i didn't really have anything bad to say about either of these films but uh, i will still recommend those all of the hubo movies so it's a good companion piece with the elephant or pieces night runner per- perhaps that the second recommendation N- not as strong but as mentioned it does carry the, the similar t- themes mostly to an elephant standing still and it's a, it's a shorter experience it also is is not the experience that demands you 
feeling to, to feel so goddamn depressed it it has the depression it it has depressing qualities but thanks to its shorter runtime it's kind of a like a like a quick dip into a, into a depression it, it's not it's not wallowing in it for four four hours and and if if you're kind of tired of of the whole akikauris maki extreme slowness you don't get it really that much in in night runner but but night runner is is the more streamlined it's it's more of a it's more produced movie than a man in the well and because of that i i would say that that it, it's not on par with a man in the well but yeah 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 recommendation even even though somewhat lukewarm uh, a man in the well is is a glowing one check that one out uh a night runner is is more on the meh maybe check it out territory uh for me once again i'm trying to say blade runner when i'm supposed to say night runner and the same happens to me every time i'm trying to say elephant sitting still and not elephant standing still yeah, I, I have the same goddamn <laughs> problem. Yeah, that's weird how that brain works like that. But yeah, Night Runner, like you said, it's more produced. I kind of enjoyed this whole altercation between this guy. I would say the easiest out of these to watch. One of my friends said that, oh God, this is so hard to go through already. This, this, this Night Runner. I was like, well, it's the easiest one of those three to watch, actually. I would say. And so, yeah, I, I wasn't sure exact, exactly how strong or how meaningful was the whole lobster theme. But overall, it's easily watched and flowers and happiness. No, but... In death, Curry. In death. I mean, I will be a him apologist and he has great tunes, but you're not supposed to take them literally. <laughs> Well, how about how, how about some uplifting Finnish metal, <laughs> like Sentence said, "Killing me, killing you, killing all we have," and killing this podcast for this fortnight period. It's been a pleasure dissecting this film with you guys. Uh, very much thanks to Sen for giving us some cultural perspective here and teaching us how to say. The toilet is leaking in Chinese. I think this is only my all my contribution in this podcast, teaching the pronunciation, since you guys already interpreted very well the Chinese culture here. Yeah, I don't think you don't you have a big problems to interpret this feed, this move. <laughs> well yeah, and thank you for inviting. Yeah, thank you. Great pleasure. Yeah, thank thanks for joining us. Seriously, man. Yeah. It's always always nice to have one extra voice in every discussion. Yeah. Any thoughts before we head to the outro or is everybody kind of done with this misery? <laughs> well, Henrik. <laughs> di, 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 disclaimer. Di, disclaimer. Please, please, anyone, everybody, don't, don't kill, kill yourselves. Reach out for suicide hotlines if you feel like you need to. In the next episode... We will do what, Henrik? I I I guess some meaningless films, in a meaningless art form that that is being tackled in a meaningless podcast by meaningless hosts. 
well, quite right. Yep. Would that would that be Hellraiser? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Ten. Mm. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I, I, I thought you said Hellraiser. Must be yeah. something. Must be a loose wire on the lines. Yeah, kind of. We're making the connection again, theme-wise. Straight to hell from here. Look how elegant. <laughs> I guess we have to do it at some point. Maybe we have to, but but can't we postpone it? It's <laughs> a little bit I really don't want to do Hellraiser sequel. There's there's no meaning. They suck ass. In... So okay, seriously, you want something else? Um, uh, I I guess we can do Hellraiser. Yay! It's it's a it's a lot of stuff. Most of it not good. Look for us again in a fortnight. We would like to invite you to continue this conversation with us online. If it's in good taste, please. On our social <laughs> like media this, I like the discussion here. What? We, 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 <laughs> it wasn't good taste. Well, at, at, at least on, on my on end. My, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. May, maybe on your end. But <clears throat> yeah, it, it, it was a discussion. I, I, I have been watching artistic Chinese films, so. <laughs> yeah, it's been in fun commenting on, on all the pressing moves with you. <laughs> yeah thanks a lot once again yeah thank you it was yeah nice to meet you henry by the way yep N- nice to meet you too i'm I'm sorry that you have to be carly's friend <laughs> <laughs> it was good yeah <laughs> yeah something happier next time <laughs> okay take care you too you too you too see you soon Hard to speak when you are hearing yourself. I guess that's the, the the typical listener experience. You just hear disembodied voices in your head, and there are constant distraction. Okay, so you are hearing like many voices or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carrie is hearing voices. Well, what to really say about Night Runner?